Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. In the eighth and final article of question two of Prima Secundae of the Summa Theologiae, Thomas Aquinas is considering the question whether any created good could constitute human happiness. Is there anything other than God, who is the uncreated good, that could really make us completely happy. Now, he's not asking the question whether things can make us happy or not, because clearly, looking at the other discussions in this section, we can have limited happiness, according to him, in all sorts of other things that are way smaller than the scope of what we're going to consider here, you know, in pleasure, for example, or goods of the body, or even wealth. But those aren't the ultimate happiness, our final end, as he says. So he's considering things now that are of a, a significant metaphysical scope. And, and he's going to consider three uh, objections, they're always called, three arguments against the position that he's going to hold. And two of them have to do with objects that you could say those are pretty good things. Those are substitute. Maybe we don't have to get to God in order to be happy just enjoying these. And then the third has to do with our own capacities to enjoy happiness, to desire things. So the first one he says that it would seem that some created good constitutes human happiness. Why? And here again, he quotes Pseudo Dionysus on the divine names. He says, divine wisdom unites the ends of first things to be the beginnings of second things. And Thomas concludes from that, we may gather that the summit of a lower nature touches the base of a higher nature. Now, in order to understand this, we need to know a little bit about Pseudo Dionysus's background. Pseudo Dionysus was a Neoplatonist and the Neoplatonists believed and they weren't the only people who would believe this, that there were degrees of being. So for example, bare being like that of rocks or stools, and then there is living being, which includes plants, animals, human beings, perhaps other higher entities as well. And then there's animate being, animals, right? And that's, that's a higher stage, right? And then there's rational being, which includes human beings. And then there'd be higher things above that within the Neoplatonic way of understanding it. And it, for a Christian Neoplatonist, these are going to be angels. For a pagan, it would have been the daimones. But it's the same sort of scheme. And what he's saying there is when you're at the highest part of a lower nature, it sort of impinges upon the next highest thing in the scale. So that in mind, he says, since an angel is above a human being in the order of nature, it seems that a human being's happiness consists in somehow reaching or attaining to the position of an angel. We can summarize this as moving from a lower human nature to a higher angelic nature would make us happy. Now there's a lot that could be unpacked from that. Why would being an angel be making us happy? You got to put aside all the sort of cartoon 
cartoonish and sitcom ideas that you have about heaven or angels. You know, they don't just sit around, play harps and have a little halo and wear white robes. No, they would be active within the cosmos and doing important things and understanding the nature of the universe better than us. Those are all sort of background assumptions that Thomas is making that in our own contemporary culture, I think many of us don't have. So there's a certain kind of plausibility to this. Imagine that you were raised to a higher state than what you currently are. The next one, he talks about another metaphysical principle that, again, we probably don't relate to that well in, in our own time and culture. So he talks about the macrocosm and the microcosm. The macrocosm means the, the totality of all that exists in the universe, living, not living, conceived of as a, a cosmos, right? The greater, the larger cosmos. And then the idea was that the human being is a microcosmos. So everything that's out there in the universe, we're in some way related to. This is, again, an ancient idea, not one that is widely accepted today. But imagine that that was actually the case, that somehow we as human beings, perhaps because of our intelligence, are really at the center of and in some way represent the cosmos, but in an imperfect way. What if we were to be united with the cosmos in a more perfect way? He says, the last end of each thing is that it which in relation to it is perfect. So if microcosm is imperfect, macrocosm is perfect, that would be then our last end. So he says the part is for the whole as for its end. So our happiness would consist in the whole universe, as he says, of creatures, meaning by that created being, everything that God has created. So it would be everything except for God himself, itself, whatever God happens to be. So that's another possibility. The third argument that he makes is an interesting one. This is a, one where a lot of people get into theological disputes and it's occupied quite a lot of ink over the last century. This question about whether our desire could really be for an infinite thing like God. He says, human being is made happy by that which lulls their natural desire. Is this a natural desire, right? Lulling it, literally the word there is totaliter quietat appetitum, right? What the appetite or natural desire totally rests in, is, is entirely satisfied by, you could say. So we're made happy by whatever it is that does that. But he says, human being's natural desire does not reach out to a good surpassing our capacity. Now we're a limited being. We're a created being. We're a imperfect being. So what that would imply is that unless we have some sort of capacity within us that we don't know about, we can really only be happy with created things that we can in some way relate to and our, our will can therefore desire. So he says, since a human capacity does not include that good which surpasses the limits of all creation, that would be something beyond nature. It seems that a human being can be made happy by some created good. Some, some created good, whatever that happens to be, would, would constitute human happiness. Thomas says this actually doesn't work. And here he's going to make an argument that depends a little bit on his anthropology. 
So it's important to understand that earlier in the Summa Theologia, when he's discussed the nature of the will, he's asserted and argued for the, the point that what the will really desires, and the will is rational desire, it's not simply making choices, it's a, it's a kind of desire, is the universal good. So it's desiring something that's not this bit of water, but something more broadly speaking, like satisfying thirst in general, or, you know, maintaining the body and whatever that happens to be, or the good of the body and the soul, and we can go on and on. Those are more general. So he says, it's impossible for any created good to, to constitute human happiness. Why? Happiness is the perfect good, which the appetite entirely rests in, right? Totaliter quietat. Otherwise, it would not be the last end. If you have anything more, that you, you know, if you, if you have happiness and you're still like, yeah, happiness is good, but I really like that thing over there. You don't have happiness then. Not in the fullest sense. Not according to, to Thomas Aquinas. So happiness is self-sufficient. And so what would that look like then? He says, the object of the will, of human appetite, is the universal good just as the object of the intellect is the universal true. So nothing can actually satisfy or provide rest to or make us completely quiescent, you could say. We want to be sticking to the, to the language very closely. None of that can do that for us except for the universal good. Because in any other case, we'd be like, well, I also like that thing as well. So he says, this is not to be found in any creature, but in God alone, because every creature has goodness, whatever goodness it has, by participation. Whatever goodness a creature has, and it could be very great goodness, is not complete goodness, according to Thomas. So he says, this is why only God can satisfy the will of a human being. So God alone constitutes human happiness not created goods. Not to say that created goods aren't important or don't play a major role in human happiness, but by themselves they don't suffice. And here it's good to look at the responses that he has to these objections. Thomas says, listen, moving from a lower to higher nature, that would be good, but even the angels look to God. So if we got to angelic status, we would still be ordered to something higher yet. So it's not the moving to an angelic status that would actually make us completely happy, right? The second one, he says, if a whole be not the last end, but ordained to a further end, then the last end of a part thereof is not the whole itself, but something else. So how does this play in with microcosm, macrocosm? If we're a whole, the microcosm, related to the macrocosm of all created being, but that entirety of created being is not, you might say, self-sufficient. There is a further end that it's ordered or ordained to, ordinator in Latin, right? You know, you could say oriented towards as well. Then whatever is going to be happiness for us is not going to be in that macrocosm. It's going to be what lies beyond it and provides that with its own meaning and significance. And for Thomas, that's God, right? So he says... Again, the last end of a human being is not the good of the universe, which is not a bad thing, but God itself. The third one, he actually asserts here, and this is, again, where controversies have arisen among interpreters of Thomas, that we are, in fact, capable of this highest infinite good, which is God, as an object. Kapax, he says, 
ut objecti. That is that the will can, in fact, desire God. He says, created good is not less than that good of which man is capable as a something intrinsic and inherent to a person, but it is less than the good of which a person is capable. So we have natural desires for all sorts of goods that exist, created things, but we also have another desire that goes beyond that entire spectrum or cosmos or whatever you want to call it of created goods. And he says that it is less than the good of which we are capable as of an object and which is infinite. So again, we do have some sort of capacity, however dim it may be, however unformed and in need of education it may be, that directs us towards something that surpasses any order of created goods or even the totality of created goods as a whole. So a lot going on here in this section and the ultimate conclusion of it is where does human happiness lie? It's going to reside ultimately in God, not in any created good. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.